This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. We are hanging out here on National Martini Day. Happy National Martini Day to you guys. Oh, let me get my shaker. Shake, shake, shake. <laughs> no, we need the sound effect. Uh, well, yeah, this is a day that would probably make James Bond very happy somewhere. Tomorrow, also Father's Day, the actual real holiday happening this weekend. I'm not not, not trying to uh, say anything against National Martini Day, but I think <laughs> fathers probably just slightly more important to celebrate than martinis. Well, if you ask the dads, the dads might think that the martini is something uh, that they want to celebrate at True. the same time. So you it combine should be, them. It should be a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. Uh, any more reason to celebrate? Justin, you are a father. Are, is there any sort of special tradition that you guys like to do with the fam? Well, uh, it depends. Sometimes we take the family to baseball games. Uh, this year, we are all getting together and smoking some brisket on the new Traeger Ooh. that I got a little yeah. early. And that actually starts this afternoon where I'll take the brisket out that's been marinating for about half a week. And it will go on uh, late tonight and it'll smoke all night and all morning. And we'll start picking it apart next afternoon. Oh, it's, that sounds delicious. Yes, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure your kids make excellent Father's Day cards. I just feel it already. That's a creative family. I feel like they bring their A game. They do. And uh, my oldest son is a freshman in high school, and he is in a metal and woodworking shop <gasps> as a freshman. Cool. So he's been making some pretty cool things. And uh, in the past, he's been very uh, handy in making stuff. And Something tells me he he may have something. I don't know. Something we'll in the works for you. I love it. We'll, yeah. we'll stay tuned for an update next week on, uh, on, on what happens. But happy early Father's Day to you. In the meantime, what is going on in the headlines this week? Well, well, our friends at Jimmy John's have unleashed a new wine made to go specifically with one specific sandwich that they are creating. <laughs> wow. This uh, comes to us from thethrillist.com. And uh, Jimmy John's is famous for, you know, their advertisements about very fast delivery. And uh, this time they came up with a new sandwich that they call the Frenchie. <laughs> and uh, it's inspired by folks uh, in France who eat baguettes and sandwiches all the time. It has uh, some Munster cheese, some meat, and so on. The wine itself is a Pinot Noir. Uh, they say uh, made to pair specifically with the Frenchie sandwich. The wine they call Vin de Sandwich, which translates into sandwich wine. Keeping it simple. Uh, keeping it simple. It's available for $29 a bottle. There's only about 600 of them. a little higher than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more than like five sandwiches combined from yeah. Jimmy John's. Um, they started off with just 600 bottles to test it. Uh, they say it has notes of dark raspberry and ripe cherry. It was crafted by winemaker Kenny Lickit Prakong, and they say they're not trying to become snooty. They just want <laughs> something that will pair with one of their new sandwiches. So you can go to vindesandwich.com to learn more about it. 
This is fascinating because, yeah, they are, other than speed, I would say they are known for their reasonable or affordable prices. So it's interesting to me. They're going with a more, I'd say $30 is a decent bottle of wine when you're taking it over to the friend's house or bringing a gift. For myself, I go much (laughs) lower than that. Mm -hmm. So I'll be curious to see if they they get enough people. Maybe by making only 600 of them, they're, they're trying to at least create the demand first. Well, again, we've talked in the past about uh, these marketing things. So to have 600 bottles really is designed to generate news headlines mm-hmm. rather than sales. That's but exactly what Maybe we're doing right now. A fan reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else is going on in the news? Next up, this is really fascinating. From Fox News, Israeli scientists are brewing beer with revived ancient yeasts. They found uh, yeast extracted from ancient clay vessels over 5,000 years old. That's a team of archaeologists and uh, microbiologists from the Israeli Antiquities Authority. And uh, they teamed up with four Israeli universities to study yeast colonies found in microscopic pores in pottery fragments. The shards were found at Egyptian, Philistine, and Judean archaeological sites in Israel spanning from 3,000 B.C. to the 4th century B.C., they're touting the brews made from resurrected yeasts. That's what they call them, resurrected yeasts. They say it's an important step in experimental archaeology, which is a field that seeks to reconstruct the past in order to better understand the flavor of the ancient world. Uh, now, the article here talks about how beer was a staple of the daily diet for the people of ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. Early Egyptian texts referred to a variety of different brews, including iron beer, friends beer, and beer of the protector. So this will be very interesting to see uh, if they can propagate the yeast in large enough batches to begin to make larger craft or uh, regional or commercial batches of beer. This is really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, is this something that you guys feel comfortable enough trying? I mean, to be honest, when I first read the story, I didn't know if I would be brave enough to try this. Yeah. Cleaning Uh, organisms out of pottery, it almost makes you go, 5,000 years old? Yeah. Well, if they do a good job on making the beer, most of that yeast should come out of the beer before they bottle it and before you drink it. The yeast tend to uh, die once they mm-hmm. are done doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I would I would certainly try it for sure. I want to see what King Tut was drinking. And he was, <laughs> you know, only 14 when he was king. Well, and is it like, you know, with wine, an aged wine is supposed to be make it better, or most varietals at least, is, it's, is aged yeast better? Like I just, I wonder if it increases the quality of flavor or if it's just old. Exactly. I don't know. The most important thing is to try out what they're making today and then uh, see if it tastes good. I also love that we have reached a point on the show where the beer, wine, spirits industry has combined with experimental archaeology. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I mean, that A, that field exists. And now we have, we've met there with them because we love beer, wine and spirits so much. This, cool. this idea of what they call resurrected yeasts, maybe they should bring this back for Easter. No. Oh. <laughs> Coming up on Cast Club Radio, as the weather gets warmer, it's a popular beverage this time of year, rosé. We've talked about it on the show several times, but there might be more variety to rosé than you think. How to pick the one you want. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome 
Cast Club Radio. It's a popular drink this time of year. Rosé, we've talked about it on the show several different times. I think Frosé has come up a couple few yes. times as a favorite treat for when the weather gets warm. But now we've got a new article telling us everything we need to know about Rosé based on its color. Yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, this comes to us from, from Refinery29, which is an online publication. And uh, I have to admit, I've not done a lot of in-depth personal research into rosé. I've uh, consumed it on occasion, usually when other people um, have it at a party or whatever, because um, I'm usually kind of a deep blended red or Cabernet uh, consumer. So I found this article to be very interesting about some of the different styles of rosé and what makes them the way they are. So we should probably just jump right into it. The article here focuses on a gal named Aylin Doker. She's co-founder of Turquoise Life. Uh, she's a wine importer, and she walks through some of the technical things that make rosé what it is and some of the differences in two particular styles of rosé. So the first is the maceration period. So she talks about how rosé wine is uh, made in the wine process where the grapes and the skins are fermenting. Just like a tea bag is steeping in water, the grapes and the skins, the longer they macerate over time, and the warmer the temperature, the more tannins, flavor, and color the skins will release. So when you look at the color of rosé, you'll see a very light type of pink, uh, all the way up to a very kind of robust, deep pink. That's an indication to you of how long the grapes were macerating in the wine. The next factor is how much sugar is in the wine. That is determined after maceration. The more sugar that has been uh, steeped out of the grapes, the higher potential alcohol for fermentation and the more sugar the yeast has to eat to produce the alcohol. This is why not all light rosés are dry and not all dark rosés are sweet. It's because of the level of sugar. The relationship between shade and sugar content is more of a correlation, but it's not a one-for-one -one cause. So uh, it's a useful pattern to look at. Drier, which is an often lighter color of rosé, indicates that the dryness of the wine will give it a little sensation of salt and minerality. That means lighter rosés with less sugar make room for flavors and aromas to come through as opposed to uh, higher alcohol content. I've only really, in my rosé career, drinking career, I have <laughs> been on the lighter side. I think yes. I've not really been on the deep salmon and ruby side of rosé that they mention in here, but more on the lighter side. I think that is because I tend to like the either drier, less sweet wines overall. So uh, this makes sense to me. Yeah, I've always gone for the, the light, pretty and pink shades. Yeah, and uh, she goes on in the article here to talk about the province region of France, which is the unofficial rosé capital, uh, according to them, where the sugar content in rosé is highly regulated, by law in France, it has to be less than four grams per liter. Mm. So if you are looking for wine and you see the word province on the label, you're guaranteed to get a lighter, drier, and less sweet rosé because there was less sugar in the fermentation process. If you're looking for a pink wine, 
and you want it to be sweet, she says you should opt for a white white Zinfandel. Those have been on the market for decades. They often are incorrectly referred to as a rosé because of the pink color. It's actually a different winemaking process, and people refer to it as a rosé only because it's pink and it has a higher sugar content, uh, when in fact it really is a white uh, wine. Uh, It just happens to have additional tannins and color coming from the skins. Yeah, it just gets grouped in with that. Uh, are you, have you guys ever been white Zinfandel drinkers? In the past, I was. It has to be very hot um, okay, on a summer yeah. day uh, because otherwise it, it does get to be a little too sweet. Yeah, it's too sweet for me. I definitely like the drier side. But yeah, I think before, rosé really kind of took over with the foothold that it has now. I remember tables ordering that thinking because of the color that it was going to taste like white Zinfandel and being disappointed mm-hmm. like that the one we had was a little bit drier so um, I think that they do kind of get confused sometimes yeah going on here Doker says that it's true that the sugar content is often higher in the darker shades of rosé wines but you can find darker shades without higher sugar contents including some from Italy and Spain which are known to be dark rosés yet very dry, which is, again, an indication of less sweetness. I also love a good sparkling rosé. Are you guys fans of that? I've never tried one, but that actually sounds more intriguing to me. Yeah. I have. I have, yeah. And they they are quite good. Those require additional steps in the process for carbonation to take effect. And it's a fine line between champagne versus sparkling wine. And, uh, of course, Champagne comes from the Champagne region of France. The province coming from the province region of France for rosé is an indication that even if they went through the full uh, Champagne-style making process, they wouldn't be able to call it Champagne because it's not from the Champagne region. Is it? Does it have the ceremony of a Champagne bottle? Or do you pop it like Champagne? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, I need to get in on that action. I like yeah. any time you get to have a little <laughs> fanfare. It's also just a really pretty like bubbly pink drink too. Mm-hmm. So Why looks not? nice. Celebratory. And as is always the case, as uh, a new product or category segment begins to take hold in the culture, people begin to sell other things associated with it. Um, the first one is a shower wine glass holder <laughs> that they say is made specifically for rosé. Now, if you're desperate enough to be drinking wine in the shower, you probably don't care what the wine is. Uh, but this one comes, uh, you can find it online at Urban Outfitters. It's only 16 bucks. Reminds me of the shower beer holder, uh, which, again, uh, is an interesting I'm assuming you're using that about. more to put on the wall when you're having a bath. Because the putting the word shower makes me just picture you like getting water all in your all glass. All in the glass, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't quite understand it myself. But. Yeah. But hey, yeah, it it might be one of those things that you get more as a joke for your friends and it's not actually making an appearance in their shower, but hey, no judgment here. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Next up is the Rosé All Day Cocktail Napkins. You can get them at World Market uh, Cost Plus. 20 napkins for five bucks. It's the perfect thing to have uh, for that backyard uh, party or barbecue for your friends who are drinking rosé wine. Ooh. Those are really cute. They look like it's in like rose gold metallic print too. Yeah. So cute for a party. Uh, next up is the canned rosé koozie. Uh, canned rosé is best kept cool and chic. Uh, they've got these new koozies which you can freeze and then put your can inside. They are available on Corksicle and at the paper store for twenty bucks. We talked a lot about canned wine. There are tons of different rosés in the can now 
and that quality of that wine is getting better and better and better. So this is a way to uh, keep it cold. I think Corksicle, too, is the company that makes those, like, ice like mm-hmm. ice corks that you can keep in wine to keep it yep. bottled and then also cold, which are neat. Yeah, That's they've right. got some cool products. Yeah. Last up from sugarfina.com. The rosé all-day cocktail kit is 25 bucks, and it is comprised of rosé-flavored gummy bears that you would, I assume, put in your glass of rosé wine to dissolve and add a little bit of uh, sweetness or sparkle to it. I've seen these in the airport even. They are at yeah. the uh, local airport that you can it buy It says these. it comes with small batch elderflower cocktail syrup, a bar spoon, a linen coaster, and a rosé gummy bear candy chaser. Wow. All to you have to, to the provide wine. the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> you have to provide the rosé, but they're, they're pretty cute. It'd be a good gift. Yeah. I, well, even while we were doing this, I went online to research, and there's, you wouldn't believe, of the plethora of more products that there are online. <laughs> so for rosé lovers out there, there's something for everybody, I promise, including a rosé wine lollipops. And this one was, I thought, really thrilling. It is a pool float. If you like really want to commit to it and you've got some uh, pool slash water action happening, it is a full bottle of rosé in a pool oh, there float you go. that you can have this summer. Is, is there a cup holder so you can put Ooh, your glass yes, of rosé in Yes, actually, I'm glad you asked, Justin, because there very much is. There is okay. They have thought ahead. Because otherwise, I was not going to buy it, but now that it has that, I'm all in. Also available from Urban Outfitters, so if you if you guys uh, want to get out that, that's have got the rosé yeah. covered. Yeah. Coming up next, we're going to keep right on going with the rosé theme. We're going to talk to Jody Elsom of Elsom Cellars in Soto. They are having a rosé release party this afternoon. That's next on Cats Club Radio. Back to Cast Club Radio right now. We are joined by Jody Elson, the owner of Elson Cellars, a great location in Soto with a pretty cool event going on today. We love Rose on the show and we've talked about it often and pretty cool event that you have going on today, Jody. Oh, we're so excited to release our rose. It's been uh, definitely something that people have been looking forward to and do typically year after year. Um, it's our red wine drinkers rosé, so it's a little bit bigger and bolder than you would typically find in a rosé. Grenache and Syrah, but mostly Moved. Oh, nice! Ooh, wow, yeah. And That's we've learned awesome. we've learned a lot about. I guess my experience with rosé is really limited, and we've just been learning a lot through the show about different types of rosé. What made you want to make your own varietal? Well, we mostly make big bold red wines. And when you're sitting out on a day like today when it's beautiful and sunny, you typically want something a little chilled and a little bit refreshing. And I'm a little bit, uh, what's the right word, um, not too inclined to make white wines. They're not my favorite. Yeah. I'd rather have a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> but with the rosé wines, you can just play a lot more. And you can really, we, we extract a lot of the color and the tannins from the skins. And, the, and yet still bring out that acidity and those fruit flavors that you get from the young wines. So it really is kind of the middle ground between red and white. It definitely with the style that we're we're going for. It's it's the mid ground between the the white and the red, but more on the probably more on the red wine side, since it since it does have a lot more complexity and structure and depth to it than you would typically find. So Jody, you mentioned white wine's not really your thing, but you are drawn to reds. What really got you into wine making to begin with? 
I was introduced to wine with um, one of my first jobs out of college. It was a commercial construction company, and we were building biotech facilities. But the heart of the group was on Thursday afternoons, everyone would gather around the wine bar, and they'd share lessons learned. <laughs> the, com- the company was based out of Napa, uh, San Francisco. So they would bring wines from Napa and all these big, bold California wines, and everyone would sit around. It was this community-building thing around the wine bar, and support one another so for me wine was this uh really foundational component to building community and creating a network of support so i just started exploring more and more about wine and tasting wines and learning about wine and decided i wanted to start giving a hand at making it so went back to school went through wsu's uh extension program the very first year that they offered it Uh, took some classes at UC Davis and learned, you know, the technical side of winemaking and combining that with the artistic approach of what the grapes here in Washington have to offer. um, It's been a, a fun roller coaster ride. That's so impressive to me when you're, it takes so much bravery to be in work doing one thing and then to realize, hey, I'm going to go after a different passion. Uh, So impressive, by the way. But what was that first year or maybe first year or two where you had to really apply what you learned was there a lot of mistakes made how was that first year that first year was actually pretty exciting um we had a a cooperative winery space with a couple other different wineries that all shared production equipment and made it a pretty adventurous way to get started and really supported one another through all of our trials and errors Uh, so it, it was it was a fun first year um to have that collaboration one of the unique things about our wines is I've been holding on to them for for quite a while. That whole, you know, saying no wine before it's time. I'm really liking how those wines evolve in the barrel and just the depth and complexity that they are able to evolve into. So we are releasing a lot of our red wines after they've been in barrel for about five years. Wow. And um, that, that gives them a great unique complexity to them. And so a little bit different than what you're typically seeing. Well, and I know that Washington has some some great grapes to offer for winemaking. Um, I noticed on the website that you mentioned your love for Washington's Malbec grape. Uh, what is it you enjoy so much about that varietal? Well, I think it was the first varietal that I had that uh, stood out to me since um, I'd been introduced to all of these California big, bold cabs. I was at a, a little local bar here in Seattle and tried my first Argentinian uh, Malbec. And I was like, wait, what is that? That is so different from anything that I've ever had. And it's really that grape varietal that uh, pretty much sprung my interest in learning more about wine and the different varietals and the different complexities and different regions. And so that's where my heart's a little bit more uh, connected with that Malbec grape, just because it was that eye-opening kickoff to this whole new venture. I also noticed that you guys offer a, a wine club. What does that entail? Our wine club is an extension of our family. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fun. We've had so many people that have been around um, since inception um, as members of our wine club. Um, my daughter, when she was probably five years old, named it. She was sitting there next to us <laughs> as we're trying to be creative, throwing corks up in the air. And she's like, corks on the loose, corks on the loose. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, 
So that's our wine club, um, and our wine club members get discounts and first opportunities to purchase our wine, um, plus they get invited to a lot of our special events that we do just for wine club members and early access to a lot of the fun events that we're doing at the winery. So you mentioned those fun events. It's a perfect lead-in. We, we talked about the rosé release that's happening today in your Soto location. What can people expect from that event if they head down there? Yeah, we're super excited about our rosé release party that's happening this this evening um from five to seven come down to the winery we're going to have uh, charlie steger singing his bo- voice is amazing and you're going to love it and you'll get to try our rosé and we might even have some bites of pie to pair with that who could say no to that i love though that you are incorporating pie today and that's also maybe a theme moving forward you guys are going to experiment with uh, some pie and some wine pairings two of people's favorite things i think who cannot want pie and wine, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, um, I have brought on this wonderful woman um, that's a great friend of mine, and she is going to be baking pies in the space. We're going to have sweet and savory pies that are going to be paired with the wine. So we're super excited to bring her on board. And our official uh, release of the pies and wine will be on the 20th of this month. So look for more information on that. Oh, perfect. And you also using your space for other cool creative things as well. What are some of the other events and things you guys host? Well, earlier today we had yoga and wine tasting. So that's um, a pretty exciting way to start your Saturday morning. (laughs) I might like that pairing as much as wine or as much as pie and wine. But the other thing that we do on a regular basis is our our Adventure Uncorked series. And every month we will bring in somebody from a different part of the world that comes in and talks about what it's like to travel to that destination. Um, The 21st on Friday next week, we're bringing in a group to talk about traveling to Ethiopia. Um, And we're excited. We're super excited about this one because they're actually going to give away a vacation for two people. (gasps) Nice. Pretty exciting. Very exciting. Um, and, and the other thing we have coming up this month on the 30th, we're doing our um, Pride Benefit Concert. Uh, 6 o'clock on the 30th, Helen Ray, Jen Hopper, Justin Davis, and DJ Brockstar will be down. So lots of fun things always going on at the winery. That's really neat. You guys are, are using it for more than just uh, wine. You know, it's a, it's that community element that you first talked about when you talked about community coming together over uh, over wine. It sounds like it's still happening at Nelson Cellars. And your location has uh, to be helpful with that, too. Oh, we even have parking, which is hard oh to Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so true. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... The winery for me is really about building community and bringing people together. And in part, while you're doing it, being able to enjoy great wine and now some amazing pies. So loving what we're doing and how it's evolving in the space there in Soto. So where can people find out more information if they want to learn about the events? Check these out. Come come by, drop by, visit you. All of our events are on our website. WilsonSellers.com. Uh, we also have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff that you can find out more about what we're doing. Awesome, Jody. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the rose release today. We hope you guys have fun and listen to some great music. Awesome. We hope to see lots of you guys down there to visit. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Washington Distilleries racking up some major awards and also leave you with a last minute Father's Day gift idea if you haven't taken care of that yet. That's next on Cast Club Radio.
Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. In just a few minutes here, we've got a great new cocktail recipe for you that will combine maybe a love for World Martini Day and also Father's Day coming up. That's in just a few minutes. But first, there's a reason this area, the Pacific Northwest, has been such an area hotbed for craft spirits. Yeah, so Washington, California, Colorado, they're all leading the way for craft spirits. Interesting article on Forbes.com where uh, we at Heritage were proud to be featured. And uh, this is talking about the kings of craft spirits, distilleries throughout the country based in 40 states, the District of Columbia and the Virgin Islands, all won awards at the craft spirits competition uh, hosted by the American Distilling Institute. This was in Denver, and the the state with the most awards issued for their craft distilleries was California with 106 medals. Number two in the country was Washington with 94 awards for the distilleries here in Washington. Uh, We currently have about 130 distilleries, so that's, that's a very good showing. Number three was Colorado with 54 awards and uh, rounding out the top four, New York with 45 awards. So, you know, California, a huge state, obviously, big population, lots of distilleries, more distilleries than anybody in the country now. But for Washington to rank uh, number two in the awards shows you the quality of what is coming out of there. Uh, the medals are awarded by a panel of four to five judges per spirit. They agree on the quality of the spirit and the level of recognition. They range in classes from brandy, gin, specialty liqueurs, rums, vodkas, and of course, whiskeys. Various categories. Uh, some categories uh, of whiskey include specifics like bourbon, uh, single malt, flavored whiskeys, and so on. There were four distilleries mentioned specifically by name in the article. Casa Tre Amigos, which focuses primarily on uh, spirits of agaves. Cutwater Spirits out of uh, San Diego, recently just purchased by Anheuser-Busch. Uh, they mentioned us at Heritage Distilling and then uh, Jackson Keys Winery and Distillery. So we were uh, honored to be included in this, and uh, it's just great for us here in Washington that Washington continues to be among the national leaders in the quality of spirits being produced in this region. Leading the way. That is really neat. And a lot of those award-winning spirits, we've talked about the unique connection between what you've accomplished in the cast club, which is such a unique idea that you guys started at Heritage. Yeah, well, uh, many of the awards that we won this year in particular were from our cast club. Uh, the cast club is comprised of 10-liter barrels, and uh, individual uh, customers come in, become members, and then you work with us to figure out what you want in your barrel. Several of those products won best of categories, which kind of shows you the level of quality of what's coming out of the cast club barrels and the cast club members we have are very excited. They have a high degree of personal ownership they feel in what is being made in those barrels. And we find that quite a few of them are uh, given as gifts around the holidays, corporate gifts, and especially for days like Father's Day. So for folks who are still looking for a last-minute gift idea, uh, you can stop into any one of our six distilleries in Washington and Oregon to sign Dad up for uh, his own cask in the cask club, or you can do it online at heritagedistilling.com and uh, print out the certificate, and then you and Dad can come in, visit one of the tasting rooms, and uh, get your barrel filled and start uh, customizing it. 
And this is one of those things we talk about that's so cool because it's not just giving a flat-out gift. It's giving an experience. It's giving something that you and your dad or you and your family members can do down the line together, which is neat. It's building memories as well as just a physical gift as well. And if you've waited till the last minute, like he said, you can go online and this is something you can get done by tomorrow. You can get it done. (laughs) We believe in you. Easy. Easy peasy. Well, also this week, we've got a great new cocktail recipe for you. So maybe a dad is a, a martini drinker, and this will go perfectly with that. Yeah. So in honor of National Martini Day, uh, our team came up with the Ghost Pepper Mango Martini. It has three ingredients, uh, one ounce of our sweet ghost pepper vodka, one ounce of our mango vodka, and some sour mix, which you can uh, pick up at any uh, liquor store or retailer that has a uh, spirits section. Put all of the ingredients in a shaker filled with ice. So one ounce of the sweet ghost pepper vodka, an ounce of mango, and an ounce of sours, equal parts, all three. Shake it and strain it into a martini glass. You might garnish it with a small slice of fresh mango. If you're really adventurous, you might float a uh, whole ghost pepper in there and uh, (laughs) enjoy. It's got a great mix of uh, sweetness and uh, heat to create some interesting balance. Yeah. Either of you ever tried a bite of a ghost pepper? I have not. I've definitely uh, tried some some hot peppers, mostly dared by my older brother uh, <laughs> when I was unsuspecting. Uh, but no, never been. I think habanero, habanero is about as hot as I've gotten. I think I, it, me too. Yeah, I've not, I've not had it. Of course, ghost pepper <laughs> ranks among the highest on the Scoville rating yeah. uh, for uh, heat. And uh, it's very dangerous if you aren't uh, using it properly. Absolutely. Not something we'd recommend at home uh, if, if you're not uh, an expert. Yeah, just the alcohol. The yeah, right. alcohol. Just do that. Yep. <laughs> this cocktail recipe available yep. online at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out past cocktail recipes as well there. And you can also download episodes of the Cast Club Radio podcast. That's right. Lots of podcasts now. Uh, we're heading into year three of the show. Lots of cocktails, lots of uh, industry news and information and ideas. Uh, also, you can send us emails, topic suggestions, ideas, or questions at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cask Club Radio. And again, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hanging out on this fine Saturday. And then happy early Father's Day to all the dads out there. Happy Father's Day to you, Justin. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, everybody have a safe uh, holiday. Don't drink and drive. And that way you can listen to next week's show. See you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.